episode 57 of the Stick to Hockey podcast. Jason Martinez alongside, well, not really alongside, but uh, along with Russ Cohen at Sportology on Twitter. Check out his website, sportology.com. Episode 57, it is the David Perron unemployed episode of the Stick to Hockey podcast. What's going on, Russ? Ah, uh, you know, hockey, good time of the year. Was at the game last night. Fun stuff. Yeah. What did you see last night at the game, by the way? Well, I saw the, the Flyers play a better brand of hockey. I saw them clamp down pretty good on uh, on the Canadians. But, but Carey Price was amazing. And the power play for the Flyers wasn't <coughs> working to peak per- perfection, but they were getting a lot of good chances. But Carey Price stopped a lot of them. So they were 0 for 6, but I would say four of those were all carry price. Yeah, you know, it's amazing that they played as well as they did last night, and Carey Price, who I think is still absolutely an elite goalie in the league, played as well as he did, but the goalie gave up to give the Flyers the second point in overtime to Couturier. That was a bad goal. It was, and and he was really aggravated about it, and, and it just shows you that sometimes you go with that cliche, you know, pucks to the net, and, and it works, but Price, I'll tell you, Twarinski was like a uh, a lamb going to slaughter on the uh, on the <laughs> penalty shot. shot because you could just feel him thinking, how the hell am I going to score on Carey Price? Actually, if you think about it, the refs did the Flyers, not the Flyers, the Canadians a favor on that because I didn't think it should be a penalty shot, but the fact that they made it a penalty shot really put the odds in Carey Price's favor if you think about it. No, oh, yeah, and we saw that. And we're going to get to. We're going to do a bunch of factor fictions today, yep. and um, one of them is in regards to the shootout and penalty shots and the advantage that the goalie has because we saw a shootout last week uh, against the Leafs where that went eleven rounds. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to that as well um, to avoid the the monkey in the room. We got a bunch of Twitter questions that we're going to answer as well. We put out a solicit at Stick to Hockey Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll get to some of those as well. Obviously, everybody knows um, that's listening to this or presumably knows that I am unemployed and this is now my only job. (laughs) Um, uh, But um, to kind of just circle on it real quick is I I was notified obviously on Halloween that um, after the show that I had to go back to the station and was told that I was being laid off for something that is called a reduction in force. Have you ever felt consequence to the reduction in force? I mean, they would just call it a layoff, but I think now, they want to invent terms to make it sound better than what it is, and it still <laughs> sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's it's well the reduction in force, and it's got some laws that surround it as well. Of course, when they do that, they 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 eliminate a position. So essentially, they eliminated the two man show of the midday show, right. and I was the one obviously that was eliminated, and. Um, you know, other people were eliminated, other departments, promotion departments, and um, other stations that were affected here in Philadelphia, not necessarily just on-air people, and all over the country, because their quarterly earnings report came out yesterday, and sometimes they like to get ahead of the eight ball here when those reports come out, because apparently the Beasley Media Group stock is uh, trading below $3 a share, So, and that's not good. So they found it necessary to do this, and I've heard from all kinds of people, and thanks to so many people who have reached out and and, and sent nice notes or responded to a tweet or, you know, email me or whatever. I, I truly appreciate it. I'm trying to respond to everybody. It's been very difficult. 
Um, and special thanks, actually, how about this, Russ, to Ron Hextall. Mm, nice. Reached out. Yeah, he sent me a nice note, and um, I was very uh, very taken back by that, very humbled. Um, despite what you may think of Ron's time as the general manager of the Flyers, and at varying points you might have thought varying things, um, but he's one of those guys, another reason – you know, the guys in this sport are great people. Is He's just a good guy. He just sent me a note and, uh, went out in L.A., and uh, I truly appreciate it. So, no, I'm uh, a big fan of Ron. I, I, I wasn't when I was a Ranger fan growing up, but I am now. And uh, I, I have to tell you, if you're a Flyers fan and you don't like Ron Hextall, who dug you out of cap hell and helped get tons of prospects in your system, then I don't. you got something wrong with you. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. And let me look at Farabee. Uh, you and yeah. I, I texted you during the game last night, during the Montreal game. I said, is he like the third or fourth best player yeah. on the team right now? Yeah, he is. <laughs> Maybe not point-wise, Russ, but um, two two reasons why I feel like he's just impressed me so much. And, and I was looking forward to him getting here. Number one is his hockey IQ. He knows where to go to break up uh, plays, especially on the forecheck. Yes, and his hockey IQ is, is very high. But I also saw a play last night. It ended up being a, a, a decent scoring chance. But his patience in waiting for the play to develop, to go to the soft spots and, mm-hmm. and go to the right areas. You know, we always say when we're coaching young kids and you heard it growing up getting coached, the, the most dangerous guy is the guy without the puck. Right. <laughs> you know, because he can put himself in a position to, to – make everything happen, and boy, Farabee goes to the right places. He does, and he's got a stinger of a uh, wrist shot, but I'll, I'll tell you, the I, I still would not be, it wouldn't be a bad thing if he was in the <clears throat> AHL. I know everybody's liking what they see at the NHL level, but to burn an ELC for something that may not be sustainable all year, that's going to be a tough one down the road, but for right now, hey, I, I, I love the kid, and, and I'm, I'm a big fan. The the issue is, what I really like about his progression is, it was smart for him to go to college. I know a lot of a lot of people out there always say, well, you know, junior hockey, it's better, it's more competitive and everything. But what we're finding out is with players that come from an elite system like the NTDP, sometimes they just need to get stronger. They already have everything else because they've been so well coached and have those top line skills already. So he got to get stronger because... You don't play every day. And Morgan Frost, conversely, uh, you know, he's a guy that was playing so much, he couldn't build up his body that much. He's he's bigger, don't get me wrong, but but he's not really at the physical strength level where you probably feel safe having him out there for a full season. And I think that's another reason why he's in the AHL, because probably on the off days, he's in the gym. And that's something where I think, you know, it gets overlooked in college hockey. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, no question about it. And you're playing with kids that are upwards of 23 years old when you're yeah. young for a guy like Farabee, too. I mean, not that he's playing with men in college, but there's a lot of kids that they're not 20. You know, a no. lot of them are 22, 23 years old when they're playing D1 at that high level. So um, it certainly was the right route for him. And we'll see if it is sustainable. But you know, the old knock on Elaine Vino, Russ, was that he doesn't like to play young players. Boy, that hasn't been the issue. No, I, I told people that was such baloney. I, you can point to so many cases. <laughs> Uh, and, and actually, interestingly enough, it seems like the Rangers coach, David Quinn, who came from a college program, seems to be less inclined to help younger players than Elaine Vigneault. So, yeah, I, I shot that down immediately with Vigneault. I remember that. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he started upwards of four rookies uh, in certain games and Torinsky again last night in the game. Um, real quick, Russ, because it's been a couple of weeks since we did an episode. What have you seen over the past couple of weeks from the Flyers? Um, they've kind of steadied the ship. And, you know, for them to be 6-1-1 one, and one at, home, at home is massively important. But they got to figure out a way for this that same team to travel. Yeah, home dominance is something that Vigneault's been very good at. The road, he used to be good at that. But the Flyers have so much of the same core from the last few years and, and even before that, that what I always call the road Flyers is a Jekyll and Hyde version of what you see at home. And they have not proven to me otherwise. Early in the year, people were like, well, you know, they did all this travel. So I said, okay, I backed off. Then they did it again. And it's like, you know, I hear this other stuff. But they really have to prove that to me. So I, I have an issue with... Um, the way that the veterans play on the road, I can't point my finger to it, and neither can the coach, or otherwise they'd have it cured. Yeah, yeah, no question about it. But you're right, it isn't, especially the way they start games. And you saw last night again when Carter Hart, in particular, can make some saves early, feel the puck, and build a little confidence in, within a game early in it. He's a far different goalie. If he gets shelled in the first five minutes... He's a far different goalie to the negative. True, but I, you know, I sat next to a goalie in yesterday's game, and that that second goal that Hart gave up was not a great goal to give up, and he's still having a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I didn't like the rebound. The rebounds, he's in between whether I should cover it or or get it to a player, and he's very timid behind the net with the puck. You saw that one whiff that he had. Oh, that that resulted in the first goal. That resulted in the first goal. Like, that's something where, when you see Carey Price, now, it's no fair to compare them, but, you know, he's poke-checking, hand, you know, sticking it down to the guy on the ice, which is something Elliot can do as well. That's a part of Hart's game that is going to have to come along because if you want to be an elite goalie in this league, you've got to be better at it than that. But he's a kid, so right now I do feel like he's gaining more confidence, even though I'm nitpicking here. Yeah, yeah, and the playing the puck thing is really, I, my opinion on playing the puck is if you're going to do it, you have to do it with a lot of confidence and be very decisive. He seems indecisive on where he wants to go. Yes. And far too, we've talked about this before, far too often he is wheeling the puck on his forehand side. Yeah. And a lot of times that's right into the pressure, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you have to, the goalies now, they have to learn how to, use that backhand to to bring the puck back the way it came. A lot of teams will attack you down the left side, puck comes in, and you got to wheel it back to that weak side, and he's throwing it into the pressure because it's all coming down the right side. So and in you're that, right, yeah. And in that Carolina game, he was on, like, the tip of the trapezoid and then was just like, oh, wow, I'm kind of far out. And he frogged it back in net, and he got back just in time. But that was another situation where I looked at it and I said, yeah, these are the finer points that are going to have to be worked on daily with him. Yeah, and you don't realize when you get to that level, too, boy, I have a lot less time than I had in Everett. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> These guys get on the puck really quickly. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have, some, I have a bunch of factor fictions that I wrote, okay. and we're going to play a little game of factor fiction with Russ Cohen. Now, you have not seen these factor fictions. No. So I'll throw them at me, and you tell me whether they're fact or fiction. All right. And we're going to get to the Twitter questions as well. People tweeted those into at Stick to Hockey Pod, at Jason Merton, at Sportsology. So here we go. First one. Since Phil Myers has been called up, the defense actually looks much better. Fact or fiction? Wow. If there, I, I'm not going to be a waffler here, but 
I'll say fact, but in the very short term. So I know Myers hasn't been up that long, so we'll say fact. Yeah, and last night was, to me, his finest game it was. as an NHL player. Yes. He active with his stick. He was physical. Yep. He was relentless in front of the net, tying guys up. And, well, I thought he was just tremendous. He was the best player on the ice last night. He was. There's still other members of that defense not pulling their weight, though. No question about it, and we'll get to them coming up here in Factor Fiction as well. By the way, um, real quick, too, Sam Moran blew out his ACL last night for the Phantoms and yeah. is done for the season. Can you believe that? I mean, I can believe it. I just think it's, it is it is horrible, It's and it's the same one. So now you know we're looking at a situation where I would be surprised when he recovers if he's a flyer because doesn't his contract run out? Yeah, I think he's got another year left, and at this point, too, I mean – He's just got this black cloud following him around. Yeah. A change of scenery. Maybe maybe he leaves the black cloud behind. Maybe. I mean... It's crazy. It's going to be hard for him to work his way back. I know Dylan McElrath did when he smashed his kneecap into a million pieces. Uh, but, look, we always talked about it. Moren was never going to be a great NHLer, but now we just want to see him play it all. So I would yeah. love to just see him play it all. Yeah. I mean, he's at 2,000. We're going to click the calendar here in about... Six or seven weeks to 2020. Yeah. He's a 2013 draft. Yeah. And that's it's crazy. A shame. It's a shame. Um, all right, so let me ask you the question. We kind of tipped on it before, but fact or fiction, Joel Farabee is a top four forward on the Flyers at this moment. And I don't mean pedigree. I don't mean points, but I just mean in generating offense. And really at both ends. It's a fact. Yeah. It, it, he's been that impressive, hasn't he? No, he has. I mean, again, I, I sort of always look down the road and – don't always just look at point production, but know that when it, when you have a kid like that that is used to scoring, that is used to putting in a certain amount of goals and getting a certain amount of points, even if you're doing all the little things, let's say we go 10 weeks down the road and he's only got three or four more points, you don't want frustration to set in. That's all. Mm -hmm. No question. All right, so the Flyers are 15 games in, Russ. They have 18 points. They're 8-5-2. And, and right now they're sitting in the fifth spot in the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference. They're one point behind Pittsburgh but with a game in hand. Uh, Washington leading the division. So let me ask you this. Fact or fiction? Based on how much Elaine Vigneault has already changed the philosophy of this team, they were a 1-3-1 team. Now they're a 1-2-2. And all of a sudden... Um, they, they seem to be getting wins, albeit a lot of them on home ice. Wow, I'm looking outside. There's actually snow coming down right now. Ah. That is crazy. Ah. <laughs> My wife just came downstairs because now I'm working from home or doing something from home. Yeah. And there's actually snowflakes outside. Yeah, not by me. See, I, I'm further south, and so no snow here. <laughs> oh. But anyway, as much as uh, Avino has changed the system, and, and I always pointed to that 20-game mark and looked at, back at his records in the first 20 games when he was with Vancouver, when he was also with the Rangers, and even go back to Montreal. Because he changes so much, his team struggled out of the gate a bit, but only 15 games in. Are they actually ahead of schedule? Is that a fact that they are ahead of schedule, or are they where they thought you'd, they'd be? No, I think they're right around where I thought they'd be, maybe a game better. So I, 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 I guess it's fact because they're on a little bit of a win streak just to, to play the game the right way, but... Uh, we'll see, like, when they have a, a long road trip, we'll see how that evens out. Yeah, and they got two tough road games this weekend, Toronto and Boston back-to-back. Yeah, -back. that's... That's about as vicious in the Eastern Conference as it gets, doesn't yeah. it? Oh, and yeah. And you come home and you're going to face Washington? Oof. Yeah. 
who, by the way, is coming up in a factor fiction, I think might be the best team in the NHL right now. But well, I, I don't know. I heard that before. Maybe like in a preseason show that some two guys did. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I hate when you're right. <laughs> it happens so rarely, but I still hate it. Um, <laughs> uh, factor fiction. Travis Konecki will score upwards of 32 goals. Fiction. I think he'll get right around 30. He'll he'll slow down a little, but I think he can get 30. Yeah, because his game is, we talked about this when they hired Vino, is perfect it is. for what he does. All right, so we'll take this one then. And I, I don't know if I agree with that or not. i got to see when he slows down, how long he slows down for. Right. Um, but Oscar Lindblom will tease 30 goals this season. So he'll be right in that 28 to 31 range. Fact. I agree with that, too. And I, I, and I do want to point this out. Fifth round. Yeah, not to beat a dead horse, but when Chris Pryor came on our show, even right after drafting him on uh, Hockey Prospect Radio, and he would come on every year, he would talk about Limblom way before anybody would talk about him. Nobody knew him that well when he was drafted. Like, that's one of the best picks of that regime. It really, yeah, it really is because he's a guy. Once he figured out how to get up and down the ice, yep, which he has, and it, he's got great instincts. You never need to tell him where to go; he goes to the right place. No, and he plays hard on the wall. Like he just does so many things well. Yeah, I love him down below the goal line in the offensive zone too. Yep. It's dangerous yep. there. Um, okay, uh, Ivan Proroff. Boy, this is boy, he's been a conundrum wrapped in a riddle for me. But <laughs> he, at, at times, he's looked. Like that top minute D man on a legit blue line, but he still makes some bad mistakes, and it really needs to clean up his handle and his ability. He just, just seems to lose the puck a little too often. For yeah, me. yeah, I see that. You still see the inconsistency there with him a little bit, but I think it's a lot better than last year. So my comfort level is better with him, and I think that that has to do with Niskanen. I think that's that's really helped. If Niskanen wasn't there. I'm not sure we would see any improvement. I'm going to say that. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I, I think you're dead right. Um, real quick, what have you seen out of Ghost? Has he started to turn it around for you a little bit after what was a very shaky start? I mean, just marginally. I mean, even back on the power play, he was okay. But he is now, like, not wanting to shoot as much if there's a player around because I think he's worried about them blocking the shot and having it go the other way. His confidence is still pretty fragile. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, all right, let's get a, a couple around the league, and we're going to get to some Twitter questions here in a minute. But um, So let's go back to that Capitals one. Are they the best team right now in the NHL? Yes. I, I don't see how they're not either. I totally agree with you. Usually we don't agree on something They have like the this, best but... goaltending tandem. I mean, you could we could talk about, you know, Halak and Rask all day, but we're just scratching the surface on Samsonov. And when he's the everyday starter for them, and he will be, and hope he'll be out, then I think people will really get to appreciate him. But he's already having a great effect because now he is allowing more rest for, for Braden Holpe. And Braden Holpe is a motivated player because he's playing for a contract. Yep. <laughs> I mean, they're, yeah, they're Jakob, 12, Jakob 2, and 3 to start the year. Yeah, and Jakob Verana now is, is blossoming. And, you know, again, they have drafted really, really well. And you're seeing the fruits of that. No question about it. Um, you'll love this one because I, th I think I know where you – I think you're going to go straight up fact on this. But it, Elias Pettersson is a top six NHL forward. It's a fact. 
I think it is. Too. Well, because I was <laughs> thinking of skirting that. I, I'll tell you, this is this is where my brain was working, I, and it's in the morning, and I'm not a morning person. My brain was thinking, let me say fiction because I think he's a top three, but technically, in the, <laughs> encompassing that question the way it is, it is a fact. All right. So, so the, the guys that you would obviously put ahead of him are McDavid. You would obviously put Crosby ahead of him. Yeah, but he's on the McKinnon um, level now for me. He's been unbelievable. It's and different, though, and that's the whole thing. People will look at it, and he he can't affect the game the same way Nathan McKinnon can, being you know in the position he's in with the players he plays with. But this is a guy who, and I think you've heard me say ad nauseum, hey, that power play is going to be deadly with him on it and Quinn Hughes, and it is. But now you're seeing like that shot, and I think it was from yesterday's game, where he just picked the far corner when he had like a half a second to shoot. Like, guys, that's not just a normal sniper. Like, that's special. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right. He is unbelievable to watch, and um, it's just tremendous, the skill that he comes out with. And now um, guys have stopped cheap-shotting him, too. That was the problem last year. Yeah, they could figure they just throw him around. Yeah. All right, next one. We shouldn't be shocked at the record of the New Jersey Devils. They were one of those teams that a lot of people were really excited about coming into the year because, you know, you draft Jack Hughes, yeah, you yeah. Taylor Hall's coming back, you get P.K. Subban, you get Wayne Simmons. But my problem was the goaltending for that team was still a huge issue. They gave up five last night to Calgary. Yeah. Um, and Kenzie Blackwood, he may be the future number one. You can't trust Corey Schneider at this point. No. So are you surprised at the record? Is that a fact? Should we be surprised? No, we should not be surprised. Uh, what is, and, and I'm not surprised that Wayne Simmons isn't doing a whole lot, and and I'm not surprised that Jack Hughes is getting hot now. What I am surprised at is PK Subban's defensive game has fallen off to the point now where he's just another offenseman, and and that hurts that team because Andy Green's older. Like they don't have a lot of staunch. You know, Severson's pretty good both ways, but they don't have a you know. A really solid D-man now there, and Subban has not helped that situation. The goaltending's bad. I've proposed a trade, and right now San Jose is struggling. I wonder if you would trade Corey Schneider for Martin Jones and make the money work, because I think both those guys need a change of scenery. I don't know if either one of them's completely finished, because if you remember, there was a game here in Philly. For two periods, Corey Schneider looked like the old Corey Schneider, but then their defense was just so awful that his game started going south in the third period. I kind of wonder if they swapped for each other, if that would help them. Yeah, well, a lot of it, and, and I, I was listening to Kevin Woodley on the Ingle Radio podcast, and Corey Schneider was so good at the Worlds. It looked like he had his game back. He was healthy, but all of a sudden, it's, it seems like the same issues are creeping up, and we're going to get to Martin Jones in San Jose. But after this factor fiction... Taylor Hall needs to be traded this season or the Devils will lose him for nothing. Fact. He's not coming back there, is he? No, and I've sensed that a while back. And and then he you know, he spoke out against the team. But he helped fire him up, so I don't think that was the, the end all. The end all for me was, and I remember saying it to you a couple weeks ago on the show, was that they had all summer to negotiate. And the fact that he said, hey, he wants to have negotiations go through the season was just so he could not have to keep answering the question. But at the end of the day, if they haven't come to a deal now, they're not coming to a deal. Yeah. And, yeah, you kind of ripped the fans, too. <laughs> That's yeah. not a good idea. No. Uh, okay, so let's get to the Sharks. 
uh, fact or fiction, the Sharks are exactly what we have seen so far this season. A team with horrible team defense, shoddy goaltending that can't bail them out as currently constructed. You know, you look at Martin Jones and sub-900 save percentage again. Same thing with Aaron Dell. Um, the goaltending is not great, but it's also a product of what they're doing defensively, and they just give up way too many chances. They do give up a lot of high chances, but I'm going to still say it's fiction because I think they have defensemen that could turn this around, and I think that Doug Wilson's not a guy that makes change very often, but if, if this continues on this way, he might have to make a move on DeBoer to just get somebody else in there who's more defensive-minded, and that could help them a lot. So that is something that I, yeah. yeah, and I think that's something he may have to consider. All right, can, can they be the St. Louis Blues of last year? No, I'm tired of te- of everybody saying, can this be the Blues? The Blues had Jordan Bennington waiting, waiting for an opportunity because Jake Allen wasn't good as a number one anymore. How many teams had that? The Sharks don't have that. Now they have a kid who's a Czech kid who's, who plays in uh, in the AHL for the Barracuda. Well, I think it's pretty good. He's not Jordan Bennington. Like, Jordan Bennington sort of at least proved himself on the AHL level. So I think the team had at least enough faith, even though they clearly showed no faith in him for many years, enough faith to, like, throw him in there and just see if the change was going to be good. And not only was good, he's still pissed off, apparently, that he didn't win the Calder, which I think is awesome. So, <laughs> but if you think about it, how many teams have that? To just be able to flip that switch. If they didn't flip that switch, do you really think they were winning the cup? No. Well, that not only that, but he was 25 years old too. Right, and that helps that, too. That, that that's a big part of it for me. Yes. Um, fact or fiction: The Blues, as the reigning cup champion, are the favorite to come out of the West, even with the Tarasenko injury right now. Fiction. Hmm. Who's your favorite? Avalanche. You mean the Avs who scored nine goals last night? Didn't they score six in like eight minutes or something? <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's just insane. And again, yeah, I, mean, I am so happy for Joe Sackett. He doesn't need me patting him on the back. But two years ago, I, I was defending him, and people were just piling on him. Yeah, they were saying that he fumbled the whole Duchesne thing, and yeah. then you look at the return that he got, and wow. Yeah, he did pretty well. And that team is not only set up for now, but set up for long term as well. Oh, yeah. Um, all right, next one here, and uh, let's go to the coaches that are in trouble. The top three coaches in the NHL that are in trouble right now are Jeff Blashill, Bruce Boudreaux, although with those two guys, maybe no fault of their own, and Pete DeBoer. I think two of the three. I don't think Blashill's in trouble because I don't think they expected anything because they knew they weren't fielding a good team. I'm still going to put Jeremy Colleton in that mix because even though they won yesterday, that team is the lowest scoring team in the NHL. I don't think they're going to put up with that forever because they already know they're not great defensively, but if they can't score goals, it's going to wear on them. And the handling of the Seabrook situation oh, yeah. is getting really uncomfortable as well. It is, and that's, and that's another thing. Veterans can get a coach fired. Yeah. A yeah. young coach. Um, will Bruce make it through the season? It's a good question. Uh, it depends who Bill Guerin may have as a friend that's willing to coach. You know, I, I wonder... Would he bring in, like, a former player or something to be on the bench with, like, the assistants and send Bruce Pack in? It could happen. I don't think Bruce is safe. Yeah, I don't think so. And it's got nothing to do with him. It's the construction of that team. Yeah. But, 
and, and he'll find a job as soon as he wants one. Um, let me ask you this, fact or fiction. The shootout is a stupid way to end an NHL game. It's a fact, but I have to come clean, and I don't know if I've come clean on this show. So I was at the NHL game where they unveiled it, at the All-Star game in Florida. And oh, four or five-ish? Yeah, it was something like that. And I remember being very excited about it. I believe that was Waz's last All-Star game. Wow. And... And I was all caught up in it. I wrote about it. I'm like, hey, this is great. Woo! And then like two years later, I was like, God, they got to get rid of this. Are you still okay with three on three in the overtime? <sighs> Partially. I mean, I, I, would, I would rather it not be three on three. But if it means three on three keeps the shootout at bay, then I'm okay with it. I'd rather see fewer shootouts. I'd still rather see an extended three-on-three three than the shootout. I don't love either, though, because I do think three-on-three... Three, like, did you see the three-on-O that Markstrom had to go up against the other day? Yeah, yeah. Everybody got caught up by it. <laughs> and he smashed the stick. And, you know, like, three-on-three... Three, the problem with three-on-three three is a one bad line change loses you the game. Yep. So, but, you know, but again, it's, is it a necessary evil? Okay, fine. I'll, I'll live with that. Four on four till somebody scores. Yeah, four on four would be great. And they won't do it till somebody scores anymore. They're done with that. Not regular season. Yeah, think, they won't do it. Yeah, I think you're right. Just too long of a season. Um, fact or fiction, you actually, I forget which coach mentioned it this week, um, but you actually do need two goalies in today's NHL. Teams without two legitimate goalies are very vulnerable, just like Vegas, and we saw it last night with Subban. Fact. You need a Nick Foles goaltender on your team. Yeah, just with all the back-to-backs, you have to have it. <laughs> yeah. I know. I said that on purpose to, to trigger some people. Sorry. Um, yeah. But you do. You have to have that backup. There's no question about it. I go back to, like, the 94 Rangers. They had Glenn Healy, who had just really been done as a number one, was one of the better backups ever. If you think about it, and and help yeah. that team win a cup, you do need a great backup now because they've got to play 25, 30 games, and if they can win 12, 15 games, that's a big deal. No question. All right, last factor fiction. We'll get to Twitter questions. Um, the NHL, the over under is one and a half on fifty goal scores. The right bet is the over. Factor fiction. Yeah, I'm going to say that's a fact. Who are they? Ob. <laughs> <laughs> Ovi you is, can't leave him off. No, Ovi is definite. Uh, I'm going to go dry side. I'm certainly not going James Neal. <laughs> you know, he's off to a great start. No, but he's minus 10 lately. Go check that yeah. out. Uh, what do we need? Three? Three. You gonna Does Pasternak get there? Yeah, it's Pasternak because he's like a goal a game right now. Yeah, he's got 15 goals, 15 assists, 30 points. <laughs> yeah, so Pasternak's the third. So those are the three. Okay. Um, Austin Matthews, perhaps? Perhaps. Okay. Uh, he's not going to be a Rock of Richard winner this year, Russ. No. <laughs> All right, let's get to some uh, Twitter questions. Anything else that you wanted to hit before we get to Twitter nope, questions? No, nope, we're good. Okay. Just want to make sure that, you know, i got to keep the uh, got to keep everybody happy around here. I'm not so going to leave the show, Jason. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. There won't be a reduction in force here, Russ. No. <laughs> we're down to two. We started with two. We're going to finish it with two. Let's go. 
All right, here we go. Uh, all right, these coming on uh, at, on Twitter, um, and let's start with this one. Space Mountain tweeting says, "What's really wrong with Nolan Patrick?" He says, "I'm not buying the migraines." Is there a possible star versus coach situation brewing if Avi keeps breaking Drew's balls? All right, so let's start with Nolan Patrick. Still not back. This is a very bizarre situation. It is, and we all don't know exactly the full extent of what's going on. I do believe the migraines were the start of this. I don't know if that's still the situation. I just don't know. Yeah, there's not a lot of transparency here. No. Um, is there a possible issue that could arise here between Giroux and Elaine Vigneault, the fellow French-Canadians? No. What, what would be uh, the issue there? No, I mean, uh, Vigneault has called him out a few times, and I think that's what Space No, but Mountain I think that's just. To. I mean, and, I think he's, and he's played better as a result. No, I don't think there's an issue. Yeah. All right, let's keep it with uh, Giroux, because Chris Naffy tweets in and says, Last night uh, against Montreal, Giroux recorded his 700th point this decade. Only three other players have done it. Crosby, Ovechkin, and Kane. He says, therefore, is Drew a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate? If not, what more is needed for him to be a Hall of Famer? No, I think he's a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate. And he'll play probably four or five more years. And, nope, I'd put him in. I'd vote for him. The thing is, and here's why. When you look at every player that has played in this league and over a decade is in the top two in points or scoring or whatever. Yeah. They're all in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when you, you have that kind of sustained success for that period of time, you're a Hall of Fame player. Yep. You can't look at Hall of Fame as in team success a lot of times. No. Especially, not in that sport. No, I'm not going to go say, well, he doesn't have a cup. It's like, no. doesn't matter. All right. Jerry Martin tweets in and says, just over an eighth of the way through the season, where do you guys predict the Flyers will finish? He says, I see third in the Metro. And I'm feeling really confident with this team this year, especially if they win tonight, which they did win last night. So third in the Metro, where, where do you see them finishing here in the division? Not in the top three. I think they'll be struggling for that second wild card spot. Okay. And I so think the they'll be fighting some teams in the Atlantic for it. Yeah, no question. Florida could be in that mix. Yep. I mean, Tampa could end up being a wild card team. At this I, I don't think it's going to be that comfortable for Flyers fans. I think they're going to be looking over their shoulder and having to watch other games and look at the scoreboard late in the season. You know, it's funny because you look at the league now, and before it was, you know, years ago it was, oh, my God, almost every team makes the playoffs. Right, and, and that used to be the joke. <laughs> at least that joke has ended. Yeah, it's hard to make the playoffs in that league. Now. Yes. It really is. Um Let's see you go with this one. Uh, what will the Flyers do with Sam Moran? I don't think they'll re-sign him, so I just think, you know, he'll 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 become a free agent. I think that's what will happen. Okay. Um, Nolan, or, or uh, like Moths to James, tweets in about Jake Voracek. He said, what happens first? Jake Voracek gets his head out of his ass or Nolan Patrick returns? Uh I think Jake Voracek getting his head out of his ass because I've seen a little bit better play lately. He was really good in the first half of that game last he was. night. He was. Unbelievable. It's, it's, it's amazing that he, he's a guy that he's an is going to make mistakes. Yeah. He's an enigma. He's like Alex Kovalev for Ranger fans. It's the same thing. Just loaded with talent. You could see it, and just sometimes it's not there. And then if you remember, Kovalev goes to the Penguins, plays with Lemieux, and starts scoring like crazy. Oh, my goodness. Unbelievable. Well, Russ, that's a, that's a bunch of the Twitter questions. That okay. was a good job by you. Some of your finest work today. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Um, so 
now that we figured out a way to do this kind of over the uh, the internet, we can uh, put out more episodes because you don't have to travel. Nope. And, and now neither do I because I don't have anywhere to travel to anymore. Oh, don't make it like that. You do. <laughs> if nothing else, you gotta you gotta shuttle your kids around. Well, I am an Uber driver and an ATM machine, so and I'm like daddy daycare over here now. I'm like uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, there you go. Without the muscles. All right. Well, that is uh, that is episode fifty-seven of the Stick to Hockey podcast, and it was uh, it was uh, very nice. It was a lot of fun, Russ. Yep. As always, uh, check out Russ on Twitter at Sportsology. Sportsology.com is the website. Anything new on the website that we should uh, be touting people about? Yes, actually. So look for Monday. I just interviewed Tito Ortiz. And I, I, I'm going to have that interview up by Monday. I'll have a, a, a full article up by Monday. Well, I tell you, you are a full-service shop. I am, man. I'm telling you, 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 people would be shocked at the amount of content that flows through me, whether it's for other websites I write for, for my own, and doing shows. No question about it. All right, check out Russ again on Twitter at Sportsology, Sportsology.com. Follow the podcast at Stick to Hockey Pod. Uh, also, um, give us a rating and a review on yes. iTunes. Subscribe, whatever that means. I don't know. I heard it's a good thing, but uh, make sure you do that. Uh, follow me as well at Jason Mert on Twitter. That's uh, episode 57. Everybody, enjoy your NHL hockey. We'll talk to you next time.